I think the more that we talk about the messy back end, the the better the better off we are as a society. I want to spend some time talking about failures and how we need more failures. I, I know that your show is very successful, and I know that people are starting to get really serious about exposing some of those mistakes so that we can all learn from them. And I'm so very proud and, and happy that, that y'all are doing it and putting out the message, which I think is critical to do, especially now. There is a lot of mess on the way to this seemingly, you know, crystal clean, you know, facade of success. And it's really about the journey, not about the arrival. And yeah. if we allow the self-doubt monster to keep eroding, all the creativity that we have were forever unbalanced. Forever. In my opinion, people like you guys are doing heroics, okay? talking to people in their careers and telling them there, there is no shortcuts. Get mm -hmm. to work, you know, put one foot in front of the other, come up with crazy ideas and get the work done. And through doing good work and consistency and coming up with great creative ideas on the changing landscape, you will get where you need to go, but there is no quick fix. It's one foot in front of the other to mount the climb. Welcome to the messy back end of entrepreneurship. This is Lee Cassells, co-founder of SFQ Consulting. We all know that the back end is where most businesses fail, and I can tell you from my experience that all businesses have them, from solopreneurs to large corporations. This podcast is all about cleaning up that messy back end so you can save time, make money, and succeed. And now, here are your hosts, Sheila J. Logan and Nate Tucker. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you all so much. We have a wonderful show for you today, especially if you're feeling a lack of creativity that is affecting your profits. Dieter F. Uchtdorf once said, the desire to create is one of the deepest yearnings of the human soul. And Bruce Garibrand said, creativity doesn't wait for that perfect moment. It fashions its own perfect moments out of the ordinary ones. So let's reconnect with our creativity today. On our expert segment today, we're going to be speaking with Nir Bashan about how to harness the power of creativity to improve profitability. From working with Hollywood and music stars like Woody Harrelson and Rod Stewart, Nir discovered something that may shock you. These creative superstars aren't all that different from you or I. It's just that they have mastered a method of repeatable and predictable creativity, a type of creativity that anyone can learn. And it turns out, that's the same of creativity that can be used in business and careers everywhere. And you'll hear real questions and stories from real entrepreneurs with real messy backends. As an added bonus for the messy backend exposed, our expert, Nir, will not only share his experience, expertise, and the tools he suggests to get your backend cleaned up, but he will also expose finding joy in the journey of creativity and success. And if you're an entrepreneur with a messy back end, you're not alone. So give us a call so we can share your story or question with our experts, 801-810-6726, or visit us at themessybackend.com. Thank y'all so much for joining us on today's episode of The Messy Back End. Coming soon, watch for the messy back end of being a single mom, as well as many other messy back end topics from photography, speaking, book writing, traveling, and more. 
How would you like to have your very own messy backend podcast? Find out more about how you can use our team, our brand, and our online platforms to start and build your own messy backend podcast. Visit themessybackend.com slash join for details. Nate and I would love to be on your podcast or speak at your next event. Visit themessybackend.com slash speaking to send us your event details and learn more about us and our speaking topics. Thank you to our sponsor, Yes Women's Network, where you will find the connections you need to achieve your dreams. Find out more at yeswomensnetwork.com. Don't forget to subscribe, folks, to our podcast. Head on over to themessybackend.com slash subscribe so you never miss an episode. Plus, check us out on Facebook and YouTube to see full video episodes. Now on to our expert, Nir Bashan, for his expert advice. Don't mess your seat, folks. Here we go. Today, we have a messy backend question submitted by one of our listeners. Help. I just started taking my antidepressants again, and I feel like they take away my depth and blah out my creativity. I really need them for my mental health right now, but am working on rebuilding my natural defenses so I can come off of them as soon as possible. But does anyone have any suggestions on being a creative or working through the antidepressant blur? That's a cool question. I like any question that has the word blah in it as like a an operative word of a question. I think you're you're doing pretty good. Yeah, you know, so here's the thing, right? I the type of creativity that I talk about is more or less a type of creativity that is um, something that we're all born with. And it's something that we need to learn how to uncover. And, you know, no matter kind of what your lifestyle is, or, you know, what your medical needs are, or whether you're, you know, artistic, or whether you're in finance, it's the type of creativity that you can uncover by putting in the work. It's a really interesting sort of thing, you guys. I talk about picking up a pen and a pad of paper and doing the work so that you can manufacture and make your own type of creativity. So yes, you can do it uh, if you are feeling in the blah of medication. Um, You just need to have a few techniques that you uh, you can execute to become more creative. Awesome. That's really cool because, you know, I, I actually struggle with creativity because I was in the corporate world for so long. The corporate world tends to crush your creativity. So especially when it comes to like writing, like I'm trying to write a book right now. Nice. Coming up with that creative way, because I'm kind of snarky, right. I'm kind of a smart aleck, but it doesn't come across in paper. So I would love to hear like, how, what are your ideas for, you know, pick up that pen and paper? How do you pull that creativity out of yourself when it's kind of been, especially it's being quashed by medication. I understand that completely too, but how do you pull that out? Yeah. So there's a few different methods on how to get creative, no matter what you do. Um, one of them that I really like you guys is, uh, is something I call the concept idea and the execution. It's a way to break down any creative entity and extract as much creativity from it as possible. So let's say you want to write a book, right? And you maybe don't know what you want to write about, but you know, you want a book. So you, you sort of start with the concept of, of what a book is and then the idea, and then the execution, the concept is the largest way to look at something. The idea is like a mid-level way and the execution is like, you know, the creator mindset, 92 tools to enact creativity and innovate, you know, that's the, like the very specific product. 
And so when you get a piece of paper, you write something down, you write, you know, the execution down, you write the idea down and you write the concept down. And what ends up happening is you sort of get a flow of where the idea comes from and it enables you to come up with more ideas. I did that for every chapter that I wrote in the book and I do it for everything from statements of work with clients to proposals to whatever. It helps me become creative. And, um, and yeah, so you just got to get a pen and write down what those three ideas are. Do you know what you want to write about, Sheila? I do know what I want to write about. Um, okay. So for me, it's to um, help single women, especially to realize that they do have a life. They do have options. They do have, you know, the key to their own prison is themselves. It's within them and how to pull that out of them to help them realize that they're not alone and they can do. I mean, if I can do it, believe me, anybody else can do it. And so is that the big picture? Or would that be the idea? That's more like the idea. That's between the idea and the execution. Mm -hmm. I think that you can go up a little bit um, and try to see the scope of potential in what that would mean to somebody. So there are plenty of men who perhaps would feel the same way, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have an opportunity to create a product or service that might be beneficial, not just in that niche. I mean, maybe specifically that's where you want to go. But on the concept level, there might be sort of a, a grand, I don't know, glue almost that holds the idea together. And maybe it's, you know, I, creativity is one of those things, you guys, that is as individual as your DNA. No two people on earth will ever practice creativity in the same way. And that's why it's so incredibly powerful. Our brains are literally wired in two hemispheres. One is creative and one is analytical. And we've overdeveloped the analytical side so much that when we, when we start to talk about creativity, it feels so foreign. We're like, what? Let's look at numbers. Let's look at spreadsheets and, you know, so it, it feels foreign, but what, what I'm talking about, Sheila, is, is a way to look at the biggest idea behind that. Is it independence? Is it freedom that maybe you're talking about? Is it a acceptance? And those types of words try start to uplift the idea of your book, right? And from those words, you will get an execution that is true to you. So I'll give you guys an example. I worked with a pizza brand. I won't tell you who, but y'all know them. They're the biggest, one of the, they're like the, one of the three biggest pizza brands in the United States, right? And I sat down with them and they were, we ran this exercise because they, they wanted to manufacture creativity. They're like, that's why we bought you in. We're paying you a lot of money to consult with us to manufacture creativity, manufacture it for us near. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. Y'all have to manufacture. I'll help guide you, but you guys do the work. And they're like, okay, cool. What? So I go concept idea and execution. And they were like, this is great. Our, our concept and idea and execution is pizza. I was like, yeah, but not, I mean, not really. What do you guys, they're like, it's pizza. We do pizza, we're pizza, we're, we, yeah, we're pizza. I said, okay, you know, so I started working with them. And we got to a point where they could look at, you know, their, it wasn't what I was telling them. It came from them. It's their brand. You know, they, in 1952, our founder, you know, it was those kinds of stories. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's keep talking about that. That's the authenticity of your message, the authenticity of your brand. Nobody else on earth has that. 
and they they went all the way to concept and their concept was sustenance and you know sort of you know they were telling me that there's pizza delivered to some of their customers that wouldn't eat if they didn't come there every single day i was like that blows my mind they're like yeah we literally are taking care of people i'm like wow so and then we went down and and their their uh, idea was comfort food like who knew right and somebody in the room was like you know comfort food uh, i mean you don't think italian food you think like chicken soup and I saw everybody in the room look at the guy who said that, and they were like, holy crap, what a great idea, you know? And where this particular brand, don't do chicken soup, but like, how cool is that, right? And then it started getting people really excited. And, and we, we kind of mapped it out. Their execution was, you know, the double stuffed crust, cheesy bread, you know, meat lovers extreme, you know, extra large, that was their execution, but they were able to continually up level. And they actually introduced uh, one of their Calizone products, Calizone products, you know, shortly thereafter, because it was a easy spread away from their core, you know, idea or core uh, um, concept. So will we see a chicken soup from one of these brands soon? I, you know, I don't know. I think they can get away with it. I mean, Chick-fil-A just did it. Um, and it's wonderful. If you haven't had it, it's so good. Chick-fil-A um, chicken soup is the best soup at any restaurant, like period. ever. Like I will go from other places and their soup. Oh, it's fantastic. I agree. Yeah. So it's amazing what you can do if you look at your product or service, your book, your career, anything um, that you want to do, any endeavor with those three sort of guidelines, you write stuff down and then you you exercise it. You come up with connections and ideas and you can generate creativity that way. I love that. No, you guys it's... like it or do you love it? <laughs> I love it. I love that I idea. I love it, yeah. Because it, it really helps you like, see, you have to look at the big picture first. It's like, when you're going on a destination, you can't just be like, Hey, I want to go on a trip. And it's like, well, where do you want to go? You can't just be like, well, I want to go on a vacation. That's kind of the, the big concept. So that's the concept idea. I want to go on a vacation. And then the idea is like, okay, well, why do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Like, well, I, I, I don't like the cold, so I'd rather go sit on the beach somewhere. So, you know, maybe Florida or Hawaii or Cancun or something like that. Not, places up in Utah where y'all are freezing all the time, you know, and then the execute is like, okay, how do I get my, my messy back end down to Florida or Cancun or Hawaii? Is that, is, that's kind of like what you're saying to. Yes, that, that is exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, that is the, the process of coming up with ideas. And so if you want to do something different this year, you always go into Cancun, you know, start to map this thing out and see what it is about Cancun that you like. Those are more idea level. Um, mm. And then it, it might give you a new destination that, you know, you never would have come up with. And also if you, if you, if what you really like about Cancun is, you know, the beach and the heat or, you know, the food and the, the beach, then that can open up all kinds of different options for you. So this thing would work no matter what you do it for and no matter who you are. 
I like that because I think for our listener who's really struggling, and I know that antidepressants can really bring your creativity down because it kind of dulls your senses a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can look at that big idea, looking at the execution can be overwhelming. But if you can take that really far step back, get that 30,000 point view, it breaks things down easier. I think that's that's what we do, you know, when we're looking at the messy back end is we first we get that 30,000 foot view what's going on here and what's working, what's not working. When it comes to applying that same thing to creativity, that's why people keep asking me about the book. Like, what do you want them to experience after? They're trying to get me to come way back at that 30,000 point view. No matter what situation you're in to figure out what you need to do next, it kind of gives you that to-do list, right? Yeah, definitely. It um, it, it, It gives you options and that's what we really need. Um, another, another technique that I talk about that I think you guys might find real helpful is the, uh, little victory, right? So I think, you know, we're all entrepreneurs. We have businesses. I've run, you know, advertising agencies with a quarter billion dollar, you know, billings and hundreds of employees. And, you know, I, I know the world well, I, I, a business well, I'm not, you know, uh, an academic or somebody who is you know, versed in theoretical approaches. I'm out there just like your listeners doing it every day, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and getting it done. And so one thing that used to really was, you know, be difficult for me when I started out was, was looking and celebrating those little victories and the little moments. I was good at setting up a plan. I'd set up a one year, a three year, five year. We're marching this way. And I would ignore all of those little things that happen along the way that could be so amazing. And, you know, we got a question from from a listener and she's kind of, he uh, is worried about what it's like to express creativity and maybe is overwhelmed because of, of these medications or this situation. But when you're able to piece together those little victories, those little micro things that happen along the way, you take the stress off your shoulders and you allow yourself to see what is working and what is really working and follow that. You know, we're so busy setting these goals and saying, ah, we'll get there when we get there. And we're ignoring all the amazing creative potential that happens along the way. I talk about you know, uh, an ice cream salesman from many years ago who wanted to sell a bunch of ice cream machines, right? And he had an analytical construct, which would sell a bunch of machines and volume. So he got list and like started working the phones and getting, you know, volume is an analytical construct. It's not creative. Like we're going to call a bunch of people and hopefully sell a bunch of stuff. And, you know, what ended up happening was like any business, it kind of like flatlined after a while. And went down because if we're not thinking with your full mind, you're not thinking with your full potential. And so, you know, one day he noticed there was a restaurant that kept ordering, you know, machines. And so he went down there to see what was going on, um, which is a creative thought. And, you know, there was a line out the door. 45 minutes later, he had the best cheeseburger that he's ever had in his entire life. Right. And the guy's name was Ray Kroc. And that restaurant was McDonald's. So, had he have stayed on his main goal, like would he have sold more ice cream machines? I don't know. But because he had the courage and the creativity to look at those little things along the way, they proved more profitable, better, more interesting in the long run. So what are those little things that are happening, you know, in your life, Nate and Sheila and your listeners, what's going on with, 
you know, those little victories, those things that you're ignoring because you're like, ah, whatever, I'm focusing here, you know, but maybe you should focus on those little things and see what kind of creative wealth they can, they can bring you. Well, first of all, I want to say one of my, my little, you know, celebrations is when the ice cream machine at McDonald's is actually working. That is a celebration. <laughs> yeah. I go through and I'm like, I want, I want a McFlurry. And they're like, yeah, what flavor do you want? It's like, wait, what? Yes. You didn't say your machine it works. down. Like uh, you just expect them to say that. Right. So, you know, as you were saying that, it reminded me, this just happened the other day because I was talking to a friend about that, about just being flexible and adaptive in life like there are some people in life like i have a brother he's an engineer so he doesn't necessarily at least outwardly doesn't portray that creative side of his mind a whole lot don't get me wrong he's very creative because he can see solutions and ways to fix things but he's also very analytical and how do i fix this what's the solution here he's not out you know creating masterpieces of art you know but he can build things and what, what my friend and I were talking about is how some people have such a rigid plan for their life, they miss out on the little, all the little fun surprises. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about that. And literally, as we were talking, my, my phone rings, and it's my business line. And nobody really has that number, except for those whom I've given it to. That okay. number isn't out on the internet or anything. It's, it's the number to my cell phone. Um, and it rings and I was like, Oh, hold on. Let me answer this really quick. And I answer it and it's, it's a lady and she, she dialed the wrong number, but I quickly pulled her up and looked her up online and found out that her website could use a little bit of help. And so I, I just asked her, I was like, Hey, what kind of lead magnets are you using? You know, I work with a lot of other people in your industry. You know, this is an example of something that we've done recently to drive conversion on people's websites. And she goes, oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. Send me your information. I want to meet up with you. You know, let's do this. And my friend was on the other line like the whole time we were we were on the computer chatting and I'm answering and her face the whole time is like, how'd you just do that, Nate? Like you just took a wrong number and got a new like business lead. I said, well, you just have to go with the flow. She called me. She interrupted my day. So I might as well interrupt her business, you know, disrupt the flow of things and give her a solution, you know, not make her regret dialing that wrong number. Um, and so it, it kind of reminded me of that as you were saying that it's like we can't necessarily have those opportunities. If I hadn't answered the phone, because I'm like, no, during this time from three to three thirty, I'm talking with this person and I can't do anything else. I can't, you know throw a wrench in the gears, but sometimes we need those wrenches to fix other gears that we didn't know were broken. I love how you went from ice cream to throwing a wrench in gear. That, that's brilliant. I love it. Um, yeah, you know, it really, so it's an issue of control, right? And mm -hmm. we have this desire to control our lives in every minute because we think that we're like, you know, really smart about, you know, things and we're not that good at it we're just not so you know in a in this never-ending quest to try to control every moment i you know your your example is brilliant it's like you know you got this wrong call you did a little creepy activity by looking her up you know but it turned into you know something that was positive for for the both of you and 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 that's kind of a a, a neat thing because you know you could have just let it go like 99.9% .9 of P 
people would have done and, you know, not capitalized on the opportunity. It really is about understanding that I think the economy is completely changing. It used to be that a product or service was offered to a customer or a buyer, business to business or business to consumer. And, you know, the very AB type relationship. And now, you know, the AB relationship doesn't really exist anymore. It's completely different now, you know, uh, a product or service might, you know, go to F for some reason, you know, tie to T, T might come back to, you know, J and maybe there's a sale in a year, you know, so things are, have completely changed in the way that we conduct commerce these days and people yeah. like you, Nate and, and Sheila and, and some of your listeners who understand that relationship that, uh, the economy has completely changed, will be able to capitalize on the opportunities that come from that nonlinear connection. And those who are unable to get creative and unable to understand, you know, hey, I've got a website, right? And I'm selling product A. Why can't, why aren't people buying it? It's like, if you're asking that question, um, then you really don't know how things work today, you know? And mm-hmm. so, um, so Actually, I, think, I, I do want to correct you on that because yeah. I know how it works, but half the time I'm like, why aren't they buying? <laughs> it changes every day and every customer. And that's part of life and creativity too, is, is trying and trying again and trying again and trying again. You don't always necessarily hit a home run the first time you're up to bat, even if you know how to hit a home run. The, the whole point is to get up to bat again and again and again, even the pros, like if you follow baseball at all, if you make contact with the ball, one in every five swings, you're considered good enough for a multi-million dollar contract. Sometimes we need to realize that, like even the pros, they're not as good as we think they are compared to like, oh, we need to get it right 100% of the time. No, no, we no, we don't. I mean, the, the back end is messy. And one of the things that we like to say here at the messy back end is the road to success is messy people make it sound like it is like we had a guy say he heard somebody say they made a million dollars in 38.7 seconds but the fact is is we don't see everything that happened before that 38.7 seconds you know (laughs) and so we have to we have to look at stepping way 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 back getting creative with our answers i think nate and i were talking yesterday when we first started in marketing it was a seven touch process to be able to make a sale and then just two years ago it was 13. i think nate said yesterday that he had heard it was 21 touches now to be able to make a sale I personally think that the reason that that those touches are getting so far apart is because we're not being creative with the new way of contacting our client. Even before April, I would say back in 2019, things were already starting to go downhill for marketers where we had to really get super hyper creative with the ways that we reach out to people. You know, we went from this world of, we know the people we live with in our neighborhood and our church and our school to, we know people all over the world And now we're going back to, we want to talk to individuals, personal branding more than ever started back in 2019. And now with the, you know, everybody being at home, personal, personal branding is even more important. So how do you get yourself out there in a creative way that people aren't expecting so that you do just pop up unexpectedly in people's, you know, lives? Where do you go? My husband was actually asking me this last night. My daughter just started a comic book. It's super cool. They just got their first two issues. And so they were doing a Facebook live last night. And my husband says, how do they get that out there? What do they do? And I'm trying to explain it to him. 
And at, while I'm explaining it to them, I'm going, man, these are really bad answers. Like how can they find their ideal client, the comic book readers, what, what can they do? That's a whole, talk about finding creative ways to find that niche, because that's definitely not my niche. You can't just do a Facebook Live anymore. You've got to find all those different new funky ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and people who are able to keep up with those changes and get ultra creative, just like you're saying, Sheila, are the people who are going to end up doing well. And honestly, you know, there is more opportunity now than there's ever been before. I, you know, my business is consulting with different companies, doing keynotes and webinars. I've introduced a new product that didn't exist 10 minutes ago, you know, uh, where I do coffee with different associations and brands um, for 15 minutes every day for a week. I get on a Zoom or their inner Zooms uh, or um, go to meeting, whatever, from 8 to 8.15. And literally I sit just like I'm sitting with you now and have a cup of coffee with them. Um, sometimes two people show up, sometimes, you know, 200. And we talk about a creative principle. At the end of the week, we wrap it all up and people love it. People love it. You know, um, did that exist 10 minutes ago? No. Did I make that up in like, you know, a few seconds after coming up with a concept and idea and execution? Absolutely. It was really quick. And I thought to myself, you know, what can I do now that everything has completely changed? How do I keep up with these changes? We're all in, you know, back-to-back Zoom and go-tos all day. I mean, from like eight to six, seven o'clock, like cereal, right? We got our email open, right? I got my email open right now. I'm not going to lie. And then, you know, I got probably five texts on my phone in this time that we've been on. And I got to send a proposal to a client, right? For a, for a thing that we're doing in California, I got to get, you know, ready for a conference in Dallas next week, right? I got to think about what I'm going to do. And we all have these million things going on that we're constantly like running, running, running. Yet there are brilliant opportunities there. In everything I just said, there's a complete marketing plan. There's a complete marketing approach. There's a complete you know, idea that somebody is going to take and say, you know what, we're going to digitize all the uh, issues or episodes of the comic books, and we're going to put them out in this platform, and we're going to find our audience in this way. And the future of, uh, you know, commerce, really, uh, whether it's here or whether it's around the world, it doesn't really matter. It is for the taking if you are able to get creative enough, if you are able to take enough risk. But unfortunately, most of us are consumed with the self-doubt monster. And you know that monster just constantly tells us that we're doing something wrong, that we're not doing it right, that we don't want to risk our reputation. We don't want to you know, uh, go get you out there. Oh, who would buy a comic book in this way? Ha ha ha. And that self-doubt erodes the very fabric of who we are as human beings, which is a creative and analytical person living in balance. And if we allow the self-doubt monster to keep eroding all the creativity that we have, we're forever unbalanced, forever unhappy, always wondering why 
why we can't get to the next place that we want to go to. Why can't we arrive somewhere that we're trying to arrive at? So learning how to deal with that self-doubt monster is imperative today. And once we're able to do that, we're able to operate in a more harmonious way so that we can achieve our goal. Oh, hey, I love that. Because I, I have self-doubt all the time. And uh, I have a friend who just sent me this the quote the other day. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great one. And kind of laughed, but I'm going to bring it up now. And it's Charles Bukowski. He says, the problem with the world is that intelligent people are full of doubts, while the stupid ones are full of confidence. And he, he sent it in a political statement, rather, because it was that quote with a meme of a certain political figure that is on all of our TVs right now. The best thing is with that quote, I think it could be related to any political figure. So I'll just let you insert whatever political figure you think needs to be in there. But I, I think the, the reason why we have so much more self-doubt these days is because we, we have so much information at our fingertips. So really, the intelligent people, they're able to go and, and seek more knowledge and learning, which therefore, you know, according to this quote, if you look at it as an analytical thing, the more intelligent you get, the more full of doubt you're going to get. And the dumber you get, the more full of confidence you get. You want to learn so that you can feel more confident, but I feel like confident, com confidence comes from action, not from ideas or not from intelligence. You can read books left and right on, you know, how to, you know, approach people better and know exactly what you're supposed to say, but then you get that wrong number and you go, oh, okay, thanks, bye, you know, and you hang up. I think the doing, Nate, is stepping outside your comfort zone. And um, when we're able to step outside our comfort zone, we can, we can sort of get new opportunities that were never there before. When, when we are a little bit uncomfortable, we open up opportunities that, you know, that, that just literally um, weren't there before. And, and doing that, I think, is incredibly important today. I think, too, it comes down to a little bit of fear, right? Because there are so many trolls out there. These days, you can't do anything without somebody seeing it somewhere. Remember the guy who on BBC is talking about North Korea and his kids come in the back and his wife comes bolting in. And I was showing that to my husband the other day. I said, you know, we don't care what happens on the messy back end because if it can happen on BBC during a North Korea conversation, it can happen in the messy back end. But the fact is, is that poor guy now said that everywhere he goes, people want to take pictures with him. He says he came in through customs and the cops like pulled him over so they could take pictures with him in customs. <laughs> There's like this, you're the BBC guy, you know, so you don't want to be known as the BBC guy. But at the same time, he thought his career was ending when, in fact, it was actually advancing because the fact is, if people remember in, in looking at their confidence and the courage that they need to use their knowledge, especially now with the way the world is, mistakes are okay. It's okay to be real. It's okay to be authentic. It's okay to forget words on a podcast or forget your Chinese when you, you know, our last guest was on a stage speaking his whole talk in Chinese, which he had memorized. And right in the middle, he completely forgot. And he looked at somebody in the audience and said, what do I do? And the poor guy shrugs his shoulders. And then he, he, that gave him the time to restart. But at the same time, the audience loved him for that. They loved that he was real. They're like, oh, that's a real human being up there. And that goes back to the creativity. If, if you think of something for a comic book idea that you think may not work, who cares? Go out and try it. What's the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't work. We're so <laughs> risk adverse. Yeah, for yes. sure. I mean, we want, we want everything that we do to be successful. And, you know, I've run 
I've run and owned several companies that I've burned into the ground. Nobody ever talks about that, right? We only talk about our successes. But I think the more that we talk about, like like you're saying, the messy back end, the the better the better off we are as a society because there is no quick fix. You know, you know listen, I, I published a book with McGraw-Hill, right? I got four offers to publish this book, four from all the major publishers. And like, I'm a super nobody. Like I don't, you know, I have worked my whole life. I've built successful companies, sold them. I have worked for other people, you know, did really well, but I don't, you know, I, I just, it, it kind of happened. And I literally told these publishers, well, I want to spend some time talking about failures and how we need more failures. And, you know, they were like, oh, this is great. We need stuff like this right now. So I think things are changing. And I, I know that your show is very successful. And I know that people are starting to get really serious about exposing some of those mistakes so that we can all learn from them and that, that we can all, you know, sort of start to grow. Publishing a book and and putting that out there of, of all these failures, I think is, you know, part of maybe a trend that is changing into making it sort of, you know, okay to talk about things that didn't go as planned and didn't go as well. Um, in my sector, in my very niche of the universe, uh, there are maybe a hundred books released a day that will promise you riches. They will promise you an investment scheme that would make you rich by tomorrow. And, you know, 38 seconds to be a millionaire or whatever, the one day work week and all of these, these books. The, the, the real thing is that if you or your listener, Sheila or Nate, if one of these books work, please tell me about it because I want to get rich in 38 seconds too. <laughs> like I want a, a real estate investment plan that, you know, will earn 18% year over year um, while I'm on vacation in the uh, uh, Caribbean permanently. The <laughs> truth is, is that none of these things work. And all of the people who promise you these things are BSing you and really wasting your time. My technique is about hard work. Don't buy this book and don't, you know, follow me on, on Instagram and all this stuff. If you're looking for a quick fix. There is no quick fix in life that I found that ever works. And I think, in my opinion, people like you guys are doing heroics by getting out there into the marketplace, getting out there into the entrepreneurial landscape, the business landscape, the you know, uh, a professional landscape, talking to people in their careers and telling them there, there is no shortcuts, get to work, you know, put one foot in front of the other, come up with crazy ideas, like calling people that, you know, are, are miscalled and so on and so forth and get the work done and through doing good work and consistency and coming up with great creative ideas on the changing landscape, you will get where you need to go, but there is no quick fix. It's one foot in front of the other to mount the climb. And it's really about the journey, not about the arrival. And so I'm so happy that you guys had me on. It's such a good fit into the message that y'all are trying to put out about, you know, there is a lot of mess on the way to this seemingly, you know, crystal clean, you know, facade of success. And I'm so very proud and, and happy that, that y'all are doing it and putting out the message, which I think is critical to do, especially now.
Awesome. Thank you so much. I love what you're talking about with the, being creative. And I love that you say it's hard work. A lot of people assume that things like this are, are easy. You know, my daughter's comic book didn't happen overnight. It's taken them a year to get to the point where they could send it to the printer. She holds it up and she's like, this is so surreal, but everybody doesn't see that year beforehand. And like Nate and I, the knowledge yeah. that we have, you know, we're, we're looking combined over 20 years worth of experience to get where we are. And yes, we have a podcast and yes, we're starting to get, you know, some notoriety for it, but it's just, it, it's been a long time coming. And all it's going to take is that one episode. And maybe it's the near Mashaness episode that's going to skyrocket <laughs> us, but we can't say we did that in one day. You right? wouldn't be the first podcast. Just saying. Okay, I'll go back to being that humble. For us? <laughs> great. Cool. <laughs> well, yeah, no, absolutely. This has been a great pleasure. And we will have a link to your book definitely on your page on our website, The Messy Backend, so that everybody can go check it out. And like you said, if you're not willing to work, your backend will never be cleaned up anyway. There's no top of success and then you just stop you're always working at the mountain that you're climbing is a never-ending mountain just be happy with those small things so thank you so much Nir. i think you're amazing it's great to have you on the show today thanks for having me you guys this has been fun absolutely like you said it's it's the journey that's that's the real fun part of life it's life itself it's not the destination it's getting there and uh, you know, I thank you and all of our listeners for being on the journey with us today. Uh, we can grow together and learn a lot and, you know, fail together, uh, strike out together. And then when we hit those home runs, we can celebrate together. Well, folks, that's all for today's episode of The Messy Back End. It's Nate and Sheila signing off until next time. Thank you to our advertiser, PodServe FM. They will help you get your podcast hosted and published quickly and easily. Visit them at podserve.fm forward slash messy to find out more. And thank you to our advertiser, Thrivecart. They're the number one shopping cart software that grows your income from existing traffic with high converting checkout pages, upsells, and affiliate campaigns. Watch the video on how simple this cart solution is at themessybackend.com slash cart. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform by going to themessybackend.com forward slash subscribe and check us out on our YouTube channel for full episodes. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of The Messy Backend. I'm Wendy Wadaley, known as your Income Acceleration Mentor, and I'm the founder and dean at More Coaching Client Sales and Marketing Academy. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like my backend is getting cleaner with every episode. I can tell you from my own experience that processing, looking at the messy backend situation when it happens helps you to grow and learn and be that much better as an entrepreneur. Join us again next week as experts share more customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes into the back end of entrepreneurship. Remember, you're not alone. Every business has a messy back end that needs a little attention. If you haven't figured out, I just love analogies. I, you know, I speak in analogies like Sheila does with a Southern accent, you know. I mean, Chick-fil-A just did it. It's wonderful. If you haven't had it, it's so good. Chick-fil-A um, chicken soup is the best soup at any restaurant, like period. ever. Like I will go from other places and their soup. Oh, it's fantastic. I agree. And their chicken tortellini or tortilla soup is also fantastic.
Definitely. Chick-fil-A sponsor us. Well, I want to say yeah. one of my, my little celebrations is when the ice cream machine at McDonald's is actually working. That is a celebration. <laughs> yeah. I go through and I'm like, I want I want a McFlurry. And they're like, yeah, what flavor do you want? And it's like, wait, what? Yes. You didn't say your it machine works. down. Like uh, you just expect them to say that. Right. So, um, the soft serve is so good there. It's it's magical. It's it's heavenly. I don't I don't know what's weird. I hate soft serve like everywhere else. I am an ice cream like snob. Snob is a good way of putting it. The fact is is that there's more Bessie back end showing now than ever. Because <clears throat> whenever we start recording, I've always got like a burp in me or something. Oh, and remember we're recording this on video too, so try not to pick your nose while you're reading. <laughs> Yawn or anything like that. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay, I'm out. All right, bye. Bye.